This is the Head On Collision Podcast. Dude, this coffee's delicious. That's good. The protein in your leftover almond butter that you made in the cup. I used some of that pink Himalayan sea salt, so salt it up, and it was not. It's not an overt like it's it's lightly salted. Like it's not nearly as much as it probably should have been, but. No, like the first, aren't you gun shy from the first one? Yeah. Morton salt. Ugh, fuck that. Last time I ever eat Morton salt. Dude, it's, I can't go back now. It's Mm-mm. a different taste. It's so much worse. It's like micronized salt. Like one little pebble of like Morton's is the equivalent to like a whole like finger full, like the sprinkle of your finger full of like pink Himalayan sea salt. It's ridiculous. So, you want to start off? Just oh, we're not rolling? <laughs> Let's keep it rolling. I figured they'd be mad if they heard me eating cashews. <laughs> they haven't heard you in two weeks. They're not mad. They're just yeah, I know, right. So we've been... Voice. Obviously, it has been a while since we have recorded. And the reason being is I went on vacation. So no major drama or news like head-on collisions going out the door or anything like that. Just some good news. That went on vacation, had a blast, um, so pretty good time. Yeah, you were gone for like, what, 10 days or some shit? I was gone, well, let's see, Sunday to Tuesday, so last Sunday, so about nine days. So yeah, okay. very close. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We did get back Monday afternoon, that was that Snapchat I sent you, us being at the airport, but... Oh yeah, I do. We got back, but then, of course, you know how it goes. You just want a day afterwards to recoup and not do anything. We actually, we drove back to uh, Missouri, believe it or not. We had enough energy to do that, and then that's when we picked up our new dining room table we got in there, so. Worth the drive. Yeah, it was worth the drive. It was, uh, you know, it was good to see everybody. I enjoy going back home to see everybody, but definitely had a really good vacation. Went to uh, New Mexico. That's where my uh, wife's uh, grandparents live in Las Vegas, New Mexico. So we flew into Albuquerque, which if anybody knows the geographical areas of New Mexico, Albuquerque's very close to the center, I'd say. It's obviously, there's the huge mountain range and it's kind of, it's within the mountain range just a little bit, but it's more kind of on the east side of it all. So that's where Albuquerque is. And then we drove about an hour north to Santa Fe, which are the two, those are the two biggest cities in Albuquerque and Santa Fe. So we drove from Albuquerque to Santa Fe and then basically spent couple hours in santa fe and got to you know see all the sites there and walk around the plaza area and um you know just a bunch of shopping areas and a lot of native american like um people were set up had their little like uh, booths not really a booth they just basically sat out on the ground with like a with like a big blanket and had a bunch of the stuff that they made handmade and they were selling it all and it was kind of cool it was unique um it's definitely weird to see that that stuff's still like a thing. I wonder if they have their vendor's permit. Well, <laughs> that's a really good question. Honestly, like, we sat and talked to two of them that were there about Game of Thrones. So it's it's just, it's so weird because in my opinion, like, just my opinion, and I took, I did take a Native American history class, which was actually very cool to, like, get to see that a little bit more. And I am like 12% native myself I just don't practice it as you know because it's been lost two generations which sucks because I'd love to learn a little bit more about that stuff but no I got to go see and it's weird to see this because they literally they hand make this stuff like jewelry and like some people had knives some people like bracelets stuff like that so they hand make this stuff and they sit out there and they sell it 
and it's weird to think that that's how they make money. It's just in this day and age. But yet they go back home and they can watch like Game of Thrones and they live perfectly normal lives like we do. But yet they haven't lost the way of like their tribes and all that stuff. And it's a modernized Native American thinking. It's weird to me. But everything we do comes from making and trading goods. Yeah, too. absolutely. So it's it's weird to see like that's still a thing. Like it's so basic, and it's still like you said, it's what we do in every day in, in every day since. Like, but we just outsource it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's what I'm saying. So it's just weird to be able to sit down and see, like, walk around and see this huge block of Native American people, and um, to see them sitting down selling the stuff that they make, and it's just. And they're good at it, too. I mean, these people have, like, card readers and, like, I mean, it's not like a, a cash or give me goods for this. Like, it's not, like, that old, but it's it's a modern way of how they used to do it, but that's part's yeah, been the, carried on. Yep, that's exactly right. Really so warmed up, who's ready? <laughs> and that's really how it is, and it wasn't. it was interesting to see. It was really cool, and a lot of those shops down there are amazing. We went into one shop... Um, that was actually it was in another town. So I'll keep. I'll, let me tell you my trip. I'll get to the get to the other shop. That's really sweet. But anyway, so we went to Santa Fe. Did the shops around Santa Fe. It was kind of cool. Got to see everything. And then from Santa Fe, we went to uh, to see her grandma in Las Vegas, New Mexico, which is about an hour north of Santa Fe. So about this, Las Vegas is probably halfway in between Colorado border and the Southern Colorado border in Albuquerque. So, like, the middle of, between the border and the middle of the state, halfway in between that is where Las Vegas is, I would say. Just for somebody who's never been there. I'm not an expert on New Mexico, so. Um, but anyway, so we went to Las Vegas, and that's kind of a small town. They have a really nice little plaza. We stayed in the hotel that was actually, uh, they filmed so many movies out there in that area. That we, yeah, a ridiculous amount. So we got to stay in the hotel where all these famous people stayed. Actually, Michelle Obama, when she was campaigning for Barack way back in like 2007, she stayed in the hotel we stayed in. And there's like a little plaque by the room she stayed in. It's really cool. So we got to walk around and see all these famous people. Um, there was, uh, I can't, I'm bad with actors' names, so I'll just try to tell you the movies. No Country for Old Men. One of the famous, his name's Javier, I think it is. One of his, one of uh, the actors for No Country for Old Men. He he stayed there. Um, the guy, one of the, our favorite characters in The Office, he stayed there. Robert California, for the listeners, if anybody knows who that is on The Office. He's the, TJ doesn't know, but <laughs> he stayed there at the hotel. Um, Simon... Peg stayed there. Um, he's a pretty famous dude in a couple of Britain mov- British movies, and then the that funny stupid alien movie. Uh, I can't remember the the alien. He they give him a human name. Um, anyway, that's another movie that he's in. It's a really funny movie, but um, yeah, there was a lot of really famous people who stayed there. Is it super super old? It's. Yes, it's old. Um, it's called the Plaza Hotel, and it's not traditional. It's an old hotel. Like, yes, they have an elevator. It's a little bit modern. Yeah, that's kind of how I am too. Honestly, like, <laughs> I like modern hotels. I honestly like like the workout facility. I like you know the the bar and the and downstairs. Like, that's what I enjoy out of it. But this place was still kind of cool. It had a bar and a uh, 
uh, a restaurant downstairs and we ate a couple of meals at the restaurant down there. I actually didn't drink the whole trip, which I'm pretty proud of. So that was pretty good for me. But oh, nice. didn't Bianca bet you that you would? Oh, yeah, she did. Yeah, she was, was saying there. she was saying that I was going to drink sometime during a vacation, but I never did. So I never really just felt the need. You know, you get to not drink it for so long, and it's just like, why would I drink? <laughs> That's pretty much how I look at everybody. Yeah, and there's not, not not like there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, like I like I've said before, I grew up and my dad he drinks a can of beer or about five cans of beer every single night before he goes to bed, and there's nothing wrong with that. And he's a you know, in my opinion, one of the greatest men who ever lived. So, um, like we, everybody, we all have yeah, <laughs> yeah, like everybody, but that's just I mean, he's just a, he's a he's a great guy, but. Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with people who do, but like I said, once you just get into a groove of not drinking for so long, it's just, you don't really see But then when you do, you can feel what it actually was doing. Oh man, it's rough. It's super rough. So like people that are used to that, like, it messes up, uh, they've shown alcohol messes up sleep a ton. So even though you, like, if you get super wasted, pass out, you're like, oh my God, like I slept for 10 hours. Mm Mm-hmm. Your sleep was crap. Yeah. Your core body temperature was super elevated. Your uh, blood glucose levels are shown to be significantly higher after a night of drinking. Obviously because each gram of alcohol has the most calories per gram out of any yep. thing. So you're drinking calories and then uh, the drunker you get, you're obviously more pro- There's hormones in your body that make you more prone to eat more junk calories. So, like, they made the same argument about weed, like, oh, you just eat crap, when, but it's the same thing, but if you smoke weed, you're not drinking calories before binge eating more calories. Yeah. With alcohol, you're drinking calories and then binge eating more calories on top of it. Yeah, absolutely, and that's kind of... On top of the inflammation and all the bad sleep. Yeah, at least, you know, there are definitely benefits for... Benefits in a time and place for marijuana, but for alcohol, there are... I mean, there are benefits... Very, very slim. Very, very slim. Like, it's hard to even, I tried like... to make an argument for red wine once. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So that's, like, there that is... one post. I know, yeah, and, and I do know, um, I had a teacher back in, uh, back in tech school, actually. He was a mechanic, and, a, and a, he was an incredible mechanic. Like, not a guy who fixes things, a guy who builds things from the ground up. Like, that kind of a mechanic. He's amazing. But anyway, he, um, he never drank ever and he had a kid he had a wife like he just never drank he didn't want a part of it didn't want anything to do with it i think his dad he told me his dad was an alcoholic so he just stayed completely away from it and he actually went to the doctor and the doctor told him to try to drink at least once a night one night a week try to drink three or four cans of beer just to help with something i'm not positive what the claims were on it Yes, and this goes back to another reason why we don't like doctors that much. Yeah, try to help the beer industry stay. <laughs> Which, and I'm sure there was a good reasoning for it, but obviously we don't know what it is, so it's kind of hard for us just to come out of thin air and guess. But anyway, he did tell him to drink that much uh, for some for some benefit of drinking a can of beer with was the. He super stressed. Not really stressed. I think it had something to do with his heart, though. But I'm not positive. Like I said, I'm not positive what it could be, but. Um, he actually started drinking, but he was the same way as the kind of what we talk about when you don't drink and then you try to drink, you realize like what it does to you because he tried, he, he literally said after like two cans of beer, he was drunk and <laughs> cause he had never drank. Well, that and the next day you feel like the inflammation in your body. You yeah. feel like shit. Absolutely. Like even the red wine that I tried, that post I made, the red wine I tried to drink, I'm like, 
I read the benefits of resveratrol and some of the other uh, dark anti or antioxidants derived from like dark fruits mm-hmm. like grapes and stuff. Yeah. So like it's prevalent in wine. It's supposed to be like one of the health benefits. The stiffness, soreness, like cravings the next day for like food. Yeah. Like it outweighed whatever supposed benefits it had. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And that's another thing I know. You said your brother did the 23andMe, Mike. Yep. And he said it's told him that he should consume it or yep. that's one of the best forms. I don't know exactly what it said. Yeah, you can tell said, me about uh, he's one of the people that would benefit from. Uh, the antioxidants naturally found in red wines. Gotcha. So it would be... Okay, so it's not necessarily telling him to do it, but it's saying he would benefit from it. Yeah, because his body's naturally depleted of some of those antioxidants. Oh, okay, gotcha. So they're like, um, you're one of the few people that if you did want to drink red wine, it'd be you would get more benefit out of it than most people. And we have a lot of similar strands and stuff, obviously, just being related. Oh, absolutely. Is kind of why I tried it whenever I tried it whenever I made the post about it but nah yeah (laughs) I don't don't think it's going to be a part of my routine yeah no absolutely that's understandable but yeah there's a time and a place for everything but anyway back to the trip we went to so we did that stuff didn't drink we got the plaza hotel all that jazz but then we decided to go up on a um took a train ride in Chama. So Chama is a little, little town. It's kind of a touristy town. It's actually known for being a great hunting spot. So a lot of the out-of-state hunters will come and stay in Chama. So Chama is a great place um, just for people to chill and relax um, while they're on hunting trips or just vacationing. So we were into the house in Chama for a night, and that was actually one of the places where I got to take my camera and get a lot of great pictures. There was the, the Rio Chama, the Chama River was uh, right there next to our house like literally it was in our backyard so i got to go over to the river and um and it's really weird because when we think river around here missouri river the mississippi river like you know even some of the smaller stuff around here like literally if we went to the river here it would be the missouri river and it would be gigantic the rio chama was uh i could walk through and not get my socks wet i'll put it that way (laughs) So rivers over there are definitely different. Now I'm sure in the spring after all the snowfall they're a lot heavier and they run a lot better. Um, but a lot of the rivers down there are just a lot smaller than what we perceive them as because we grew up next to like the Mississippi and the Missouri and all this and that. So Minnesota, the Mississippi when it comes when it comes to Minnesota, dude, it would flood everything. Yeah. Like there was so much water. There's dams and shit trying to hold it back. Sometimes yeah. running like completely crazy over the dam it's like nah that's not gonna help you (laughs) absolutely and that's kind of like i said that's kind of what we think when we think of river but down there it's a lot different so the rivers are small they're they're tiny there's about what we would call a stream (laughs) honestly um but they're still i mean that's there's rivers i mean it's the rio chama so Anyway, so I got to go across the river and I actually walked out in the middle of it and took some really sweet pictures of the river and a lot of mule deer. Um, got to take a lot of pictures of mule deer. Didn't get any pictures of elk, unfortunately, because um, where were there with the elk were high in the mountains, so we saw a lot while we were driving, but we didn't. There was never a good spot, obviously, with the windy, twisty roads. 
and it somebody safe could to pull over. It was not. Yeah, it wasn't safe anywhere to pull over. So that was the biggest thing for us. Um, so we got to do a lot of that stuff. It was really, really calming and relaxing. I took a lot of hikes and did a lot of that stuff. Um, one of the things I did notice though is how bad, like, how hard it was for me to breathe. It's like people talk about elevation and being different, and even like. Oh, for about two weeks heading up to this trip, I was, you know, doing more cardio than I normally would. You know, normally at max, I'll do like a five-minute warm-up, and that turned into about a 20-minute, uh, you know, bike ride for a couple miles every day. And it definitely benefited me, but it's one of those things where you just can't get used to it, like, unless you're there. And so the first couple times I went out there and went hiking, it was one of those things where, like, as I was crossing the river... You still, you know, you hold your breath because you don't want to slip and fall and you just concentrate really hard. And then by the time you cross the river, you're out of breath because it's not because you were like doing anything extravagant. It's just because not constantly breathing and then trying to catch your breath <laughs> again. It's impossible to catch your breath. So that was one of the biggest differences from for me. And I've experienced it a couple times going out there. So that uh, it's definitely something that we'll we'll probably get into later on in the podcast is about how to train for like higher elevation and stuff like that so so that wasn't your first time out there then no i've i've actually yeah i've been to new mexico before i actually went on an elk hunt two years ago so i got to go out there and hunt elk on on bianca's grandparent grandpa or her her mom's land out there so got to go out there and do that stuff and of course she's been out there and she shot an elk before um so just a, a blast for us and what we've done but I've been out there before, and I've been to Colorado a couple times too, um, which is just absolutely amazing. Like, it's one of the coolest experiences of my life. Like, that's why I love it, love the mountains so much. Like, I would like to move out there eventually, someday, because that's like, I don't know, going out there, you just fall in love with that stuff. Literally, it's the one place it sounds like I want to move. Did we talk about this before? Like, yeah, warm in the day, cold at night, so that's something I'm big on, like... I sleep with my place 65, 66 degrees mm -hmm. every night because that's where the studies kind of showed it to be yep. the best for sleep. So I would sleep with it that cold anyway. They say it's naturally really cool yep. at night, warm in the day, no mosquitoes because there's so much variance in the weather. Yep. Dude, that like it's nice no ticks either like there's no ticks no mosquitoes it's great I get to walk around the most I've ever walked around and like crap like I, I shouldn't say crappy terrain like overgrown terrain without getting any ticks like I literally so when I got back from the trip I went to check my trail camera out on my at my uh, hunting spot in Missouri like three ticks and a, like a leg full of chiggers it was unreal. It was terrible, dude. And I literally, like, it was, it literally was for me to walk into the food plot, get my, get my SD card from the camera, and then walk out. Took me less than a minute. And I got three ticks and, like, a whole crap ton of chairs on my leg. Ridiculous. And then I can walk around there all for days and days and not get anything, which is amazing. So, yeah, it's really nice. The high over there, basically, when it was the hottest, I think it was 89 degrees, and the lows were in the 50s, like 55 and below. Yeah, amazing. So yeah, it was it was definitely a really good, uh, really good place to be, especially for the temperature. Um, it was fun, but. So we after we did that we took the train. Um, there's a in Chama. There's a nice train. It's a it's a, one of the oldest like still today trains that 
you know, just goes through the mountains, and it's just a fun train. And we got to sit back there, and they fed us lunch and breakfast and gave us uh, snacks and drinks and all that good jazz. And we got to ride the train. I got a lot of killer pictures off that guy and got to see a little bit of wildlife and a ton of the mountains. I mean, it's really sweet. There was actually a storm that was uh, was brewing while we were on the train, and the storms there are nuts. Did you hear about the storm that happened in Colorado while you were gone? Mm-mm, I did not. Literally dropped just under like volleyball size hail. Destroyed everything. Wow. Destroyed everything. That's insane. Yeah, it was. They nasty. talked. They talked a lot about the storms in the mountains and how just absolutely unpredictable they are. Because like, in order, and this is cool, because after taking my meteorology class, in order for a storm to survive, it has to follow a path of warm air. And in the mountains, it's literally, like, twisty, curvy, windy. Like, there is no, like, oh, the straight... Like, in the Midwest, it's like, oh, we'll just keep going in this straight direction because that's where the warm air is now. It's like, in the mountains, you can't go up higher. Like, obviously, the higher up in the peaks you go, it gets cooler. So, like, it follows down in the valleys, and it's just insane. One moment, the storm will come straight towards you, and then it'll completely shift and go the other way. Like, it's uh, it's unreal, but... There was a huge lightning strike while we were on the train. And lightning here, when you hear lightning, it rumbles and it rolls. Like you can hear it start to come in. And then it kind of go. it gets really loud, and then it kind of fades away. Especially when it's in a distance. We saw a giant lightning strike and waited like five seconds and didn't hear anything. And then it, f- it sounded like an artillery shell went off. It was just one big boom. And it echoed. That's what it's like in the mountains. It's crazy how, like, the sound bounces and everything. So it's just completely different. And that's what the lady on the train, the, uh, I guess the, not, I don't want to call her a tour guide, but she was, like, the person telling us, you know, oh, this is over here is this and this over here is this. But anyway, she was telling us that she's not nearly afraid of the storms. She's like, we're not afraid of storms. We're not really even afraid of tornadoes or anything like that. She's like, we're just afraid of the lightning. And it's no joke because literally the lightning was insane over there. So just literally striking back and forth. But got off the train and then went to a small town called Taos where I got this sweet mug. And Taos is just another touristy town. They have all the ski lodges up in uh up in New Mexico is in Taos. So a lot of a lot of the skiers and a lot of the snowboarders go up there to to have fun on the, the winter resorts. Um, so we got to do that. We stayed there for three days, actually. That's where we spent most of our time and saw the Rio Gorge, which when you're on the bridge looking da- down off the Rio Gorge, it is insanely far drop, like an insanely far drop. But actually, there's a lot of famous people um, who live out there in that area. Um, because it's just pretty it's a it's a really good destination to be so we got to go out there and enjoyed that i actually got some pictures of some um bighorn sheep out there that was kind of cool and got some more just like cool pictures of the gorge in general but got to do all that stuff and then oh after that we came back to her grandparents place and walked around there and the land where we're where we elk hunt and then that was about the trip for us honestly but it was a pretty good trip overall like I said, one of the biggest things I want to talk about is the elevation and how it plays into training and stuff like that. So this is that storm. Or they say this is a video from that storm. But there was just crazy hell. There was pictures of like everyone's car windows shattered. Yeah. Up, like 
It was insane. They actually had a pretty big hailstorm a couple of days before we got there, and it was it like in New Mexico, and this is in the northern part of New Mexico, southern part of Colorado, and they had. Um, it may it may have been the same storm because it did happen while we were there, but um, they had hail that was about golf ball sized, ping pong golf ball sized hail, and just put dents in everybody's car. Like it was pretty insane, but yeah, that was basically the trip. Pretty exciting stuff. Like the loads like they have pictures of people's. Like, wow, that's definitely like baseball sized hail right now. That's insane. Just destroying everything. That guy's Audi is toast. <laughs> yeah, weird. but for the most part, it was a it was it was a good trip. Really exciting. Now, to tell you about um, something pretty uh, crazy and exciting um, that happened here while we were gone. So, if you've noticed, probably not, because I know Bianca vacuumed. You maybe see a little bit of pellets somewhere laying around the floor, maybe. So guess what little creature broke out while we were gone? <laughs> oh no! Did yep, it, the chinchilla. Did it eat all the way through the wall of the legs? It didn't. No, it actually. So we had a friend come and uh, check on it and uh, let it out, and we're not sure what happened. Um, but I will say that we've never had a problem with him getting out ever. And she came and checked on him three times, and he was fine. But then the last time she came and checked on him, he was underneath our bed upstairs. So he had gotten out sometime in between the second and third time she checked on him. So something probably just didn't get latched right or something. But he broke out, and he did chew a couple cords. <laughs> and we are very, very fortunate that he is not fried. And it kind of sucks because we have basically everything in the basement is, you know, his name's the chinchilla we have. His name's Bane. It's Bane proof. So it's like he can't get anywhere that has an electrical cord. But while he was gone, there was one cord that's a super tiny, like, USB cord, like, even tinier than this microphone cord that I have on my TV that I just use for, like, some video game stuff. And he chewed through that. And thank God it was such a small cord because if he would have gotten through something like thick like that, it probably would have electrocuted him. So we're really lucky he didn't shoot through anything. And actually when he did get upstairs, all these doors were open. So like he came in here, like there was poop everywhere in here. So like he was up, there was even poop on the desk. So like he hopped up here on the desk and then like, thank God he didn't chew through one of those thick cords because that would have been the end of him. But yeah, was it the big? Yeah, the big, right yeah, I know, right? So that's what I'm saying. So we were very lucky that that nothing bad happened. But yeah, we got home, found some cords that were broken. What would your response have been to that friend if you came back to a fried chinchilla? Honestly... <laughs> So she's one of Bianca's very good friends. I'm not going to drop a name. I'm just not going to do that. But um, she's one of Bianca's really good friends. Now, if if Archinchilla were dead, yes, I am a very, very, you know, animal activist. You know, I'm a very, you know, all that good stuff. Um, you know, it's a very, it would be a very sad day. But honestly, I think she, I would be okay with it because she would be so upset that it happened like i know that this friend would have been so beat up if she would have known that she would have been the one that killed the chinchilla so i would have honestly if it would have happened i wouldn't have been like like i would have been obviously hurt and upset about it 
because we love the little guy. He's awesome. But if it would have happened, yeah, she would have felt bad enough to where I wouldn't have been like mad by it per se. I wouldn't have been like yelling at her or anything or chewing her out. We would all have been upset, but she would have felt the worst out of all of us. So I think that's punishment enough. <laughs> so, but we're really lucky that nothing did happen to the little guy <laughs> while we were gone. Um, but yeah, for the most part, that was the trip. That was the most excitement that happened here while we were gone, I guess. Um, I know you've had a little bit of excitement with your work that's been happening lately. Oh, it's been interesting, to say the least. But I feel like I'm very close to breaking out of this stupid stuff. Besides this morning. There's like four fires I have to put out, so yeah. we're done with this. <laughs> My phone keeps going off. What? There it is again. Really long time. Seems like one thing after another, huh? Oh, yeah, it's just... Crews not showing up on the dates they say they're going to show up, like, for the gutters. Uh, mortgage companies, like, holding checks back that no other mortgage company ever held back. Yeah. But, oh, randomly this one is holding it back and requesting all this extra crap for nothing. It's a small job. <laughs> like. Yeah, absolutely. No, it seems definitely frustrating. I know we talked a lot about mindset in our mindset podcast, but what is your like go-to when crap like this happens? I just try to stay busy with other stuff too, so whether it's clients, whether it's uh, reading new stuff, picking up new books. One thing that I've been doing since I've been dealing with this is I started talking to this new kid as I was leaving the gym, he was reading a book on the counter, so I started talking to him about mindset, like, gave him, I ended up typing up, I don't know if you've seen my Facebook post, but... Mm-hmm. I did. So I put that together for him. So I'm helping this, he's like 22, 23-year-old kid, works the front desk at one of the local gyms. Mm-hmm. Really cool, I had a good conversation with him, but I gifted, I'm going to gift him another book on that reading list, and he's just... We talked quite a bit, and he's got things he's trying to change or improve in his life. So he started diving into like self-improvement books, and he was reading. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but it was a book along those yeah, same Yeah, absolutely. So he was reading that, and we started talking about that, and we started talking about other books, and then I put together that book list for him. We're actually going to, I'm planning to meet up with him and go to Half Price Books here in the next couple of days. Give him some more book recommendations, talk about stuff. I gave him a bunch of Tony Robbins videos to watch and stuff. Yeah. So, that's I just redirect into, like, improvement or helping other people. Yeah. And that's absolutely. how I generally deal with stupid stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely, <laughs> for sure. And that's kind of, I know, my biggest thing, I guess, when stuff like that, when bad things happen or when negative stuff affects me or work or whatever it may be, is building relationships with other people. That's my biggest thing is because I guess at the end of the day, uh, one of the things you can always keep is a strong relationship with people. And I know, especially with some of the stuff that's been happening on, uh, not necessarily on a personal level, but some of the stuff I follow between, uh, especially the hunting community right now is, um, it's always divided somewhat, but it seems like right now it's, it's, there's a, been a kind of a wave of people preaching how much it is to never burn a bridge but just make things stronger between everybody you possibly can and it's been a huge help like um i know i've talked a little bit about that one kid in past 
podcast, the kid at work who just bugs the crap out of me, and um, he did, he does, and he has, and um, he's it's gotten good and it's gotten bad here and there, back and forth. Um, so um, lately, I've just been even even with somebody as small and uh, what would what a perception for somebody else would be somebody that would be useless to have in your life um because he's just not he's he doesn't benefit me at all and all he all i'm doing you know i guess per se the best way i can say this is he doesn't benefit me at all right now one bit like there's nothing that he can benefit to me at all whatsoever but you never know what's going to happen later on so it's one of those things where I'm not going to burn a bridge with this kid. It's every chance I get to say hi to him, talk to him, ask him how he's doing, I still do. It's because he should be, even though he's a jerk and he's not a very smart kid, everybody should still be able to have somebody that, you know, cares about somebody else. So I give my care out to everybody and that's how it is. And <clears throat> I do it consciously and unconsciously without even thinking about it. So that's who I am. But... Yeah, that's, that's my biggest thing. When things get tough and down, I, I build relationships and try to make things a little bit better. So, And I do a good job at it. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's crazy because me, I probably turn towards the trying to avoid people that yeah. seem to only be negative. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's a big thing too. And But the biggest thing, I guess, for me is if there is somebody that's negative and I have the choice not to be around them, I'll take that choice like I will like it's it's not something I want to do but like in a work environment where I don't have any choice if I'm there and he's there then I might as well talk to him and make him feel like somebody cares about him so true because honestly I know that there are so many people in my life who care about me and who would listen to me and you know who I could call up that like I said sometimes when you see people who I guess don't really they're off the beaten path and uh, for lack of a better term they're just weird <laughs> and a lot of people see that and so a lot of people won't talk to them or mess around or be with them or anything like that it just kind of makes me a reason to be like hey you know how's it going today you know how you been what's new i know he loves he loves guns so i talked to him about guns <laughs> you know like just little stuff like that so it helps everybody but everybody needs somebody like that so that's my calling in life i guess but <laughs> But yeah, no, I've actually, on your book thing, I've been reading, have you read the book Leaders Leaders Eat Last? Yep. I'm reading that right now. It's been a while ago, but yeah. It's uh, Simon Sinek wrote it, and it's, I'm reading that. I actually, my little brother got it for Christmas, I think last year got us that book for Christmas, and I'm finally reading it now, and I'm on uh, about 50 pages in, and I love it so far. It's it's really amazing, and it, that's another reason, too, because it talks so much about having empathy for others in your business. Yep. and caring and instead of saying i start saying we and like be a group more and it's just that helps a lot even though i'm not leadership and i'm not the ceo and the book's directed towards everybody but more of a you know leader sense and yep. you know that's definitely who i'm going to be someday so if i figure you know it's going to make me get there way quicker if i just start doing it now well, <laughs> so that's, well that's the only way to get there too you have to provide more value and show those characteristics before you'll ever be put in that role. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And so that's kind of what I've been trying to do um, more and more, it seems like, is try to offer, you know, offer that to people, um, be more caring and show that I do care. And then, 
like I said, that's a lot easier to ask for help when you have a lot more connections than you do burnt bridges. So, um, but we, I, I know I'm trying to do, we're, me and you both are constantly trying to do stuff just to get in the works, get our foot in the door here and there and everywhere and on our owns and together with the podcast and that stuff. So it's a constant battle back and forth, I feel like. I think uh, me and Bianca actually, after having our pretty successful rugby podcast um she actually she enjoyed that a lot she did so we're talking about um maybe some sometime eventually doing a hunting podcast um just talking about hunting and um because i know that's something that's getting bigger is the hunting podcasts Uh, but i want to get out there before it becomes like everybody and their dogs doing it (laughs) but there's some really good ones out there like yeah no absolutely and that's something that uh, that's something that we will start hopefully soon and we'll just start off by talking about what we do now and it'll be a lot about i think so here's the worst part a lot of people who make hunting shows or make hunting this or that they provide so many success stories and makes it feel like you can go out and hunt and win every time and that's not the case the success rate for shooting an elk out of state with a bow and arrow is 10%. Like if I went New Mexico was 4%. Like if I like for me to four out of 100 people, if I go and kill an elk on my elk trip in September, then I will be four out of 100 people who go and actually get an elk. So it's just ridiculous. But that's kind of how it is. Um, but that's what I, I'd like to provide a little bit more sense and a little bit more education for people who don't know about hunting. A lot of the hunting podcasts you jump into is like, you know, hey, we assume you've been hunting for several years, several years so we're just going to talk to you about advanced stuff. And it's like, I get that. I, I like podcasts like that because that's me. But honestly, what if somebody gets on there and they're like, they're unsure about hunting or they don't like hunting and they don't like animal rights and they just want to listen to me like talk about killing things like just to set them off like that's not what I want to do I want to provide a little bit more um education a little bit more like you know we understand like you know you don't approve we do approve but this is why like I want to give the why behind everything so we want to provide a pretty successful little podcast for people so yeah that would be sweet something for you to do yeah absolutely yeah talk more about what you guys would go over like specifically yeah definitely so we've been talking we've been thinking about doing something like this like i said for a while now so it's been put we put a lot of thought into um basically the big i guess the biggest thing that i would want to stress and this would be i don't want to talk too much into it because this is definitely going to happen soon so i'll definitely get into it um and tell you guys too when we do decide to create this hunting podcast what it's called and what we're doing it underneath but um one of the biggest things that we do want to talk about is like i kind of said there a while ago it's not about what's right and what's wrong or you believe this and i believe this it's about being able to be a human being and understand why somebody does something or why somebody thinks that way. Now, that's the biggest reason why all of us are misunderstood is because somebody who is, you know, loves animals and thinks it's very, very important to, you know, to build habitats for them and to never kill animals and let animals be animals and all this and that and do fundings. Like, I agree with that 100%. And, like, I am more passionate about that subject than I think I am out of any other subject on this earth is that 
Um, but the thing is, is I hunt animals and there's a really great reason behind why I hunt them. Now, here's the thing. When somebody tells me, no, I don't believe in hunting, I don't believe in killing animals, I do my best 100%. I do not fight them. I do not fight the topic. I do my best 100% of the time to understand why it is that they are like that and why it is that they don't believe that. And I respect that. I'm not out there to change people's mind. I'm out there to educate people. So one of the biggest things that I want to get across to the new podcast that we start eventually here, hopefully soon, me and my wife Bianca, is that we are here to understand why people don't like these things and we're here to understand we want you to understand why we do these things now you don't have to necessarily believe in it or like it it's just the respect about understanding it no most likely you're not going to change us and we will probably hunt till the day we die because that's something we believe you know uh both it's who we are we've been growing up with it um we respect animals enough and we love them um, and it's something, you know, whether it be a religious standpoint, whether it be just how who we are, that's something we follow and we do. But the same at the same time, we don't want to preach to everybody who's not, who's you know a non-hunter or an anti-hunter, for lack of a better term, um, or somebody who just doesn't know. We don't want to change you into a hunter. We don't want you to go out there and shoot animals if you don't feel comfortable with it. Um, but we do want you to understand why we do it, and you know. We don't want even a, even a full amount of respect. It's understandable, like to have that, but we're not asking for that. We just want you to listen if you would like to listen <laughs> to what we have to say, and just understand why we do what we do, and that'll keep a lot of confusion and misconception from these two sought topics. That'll keep us from having to clash um, in our thinking and. Uh, like I said, just have a little bit more mutual, tiny bit of mutual respect for why we do what we do. The biggest thing that I want to convey with a hunting podcast is that whether or not you believe it or you like it or you think it's right or not, it's the right understanding of why we do it. Like I said, you don't have to respect it. You don't have to believe in it. You, I'm not trying to get you or anybody to go hunt. I'm just trying to tell you why we do it so you can understand why. The same thing for you. Like I said, if you don't hunt, you don't like to hunt, you don't like to be outdoors, you respect, you love animals so much that you couldn't even think of killing one, I understand that. I do. I get it. I have dogs. I have cats. I've got a chinchilla. I understand that. But with the same thing goes for you, I'd like for you to understand why I do what I do. And that's what this whole podcast that we're wanting to do is about. <clears throat> and that's the biggest misunderstood thing. So many people like to go in, they like to talk about their kills. They like to talk about how hard it is, or sorry, how easy it is for them to kill. And they like to give people this false misinterpretation about why we do what we do. And there are some really good ones who, are edu who educate people and tell them the real reason why we do it. But there's a lot of people who don't like to listen. And that's the biggest thing is this gives people a way to listen, judgmental free, of just why we do what we do, how we do what we do. And it gives us a great background. I think it would be great because Bianca's got a degree in animal science. Um, she's very good with animal behaviors, extremely good with it. Um, so she would have a definitely more scientific approach on everything. And then, of course, I've been hunting. I think my grandpa bought me a 30-30 rifle when I was eight years old. And I shot that. And uh, remember, I remember it's one of the days that I'll never forget, actually, is, being, is shooting the gun with my grandpa. And um, then I remember the first time I went hunting with him and saw him 
shoot a deer and uh, process the deer and it was uh, it, was, it was something I fell in love with. It just really was. And uh, so, yeah, it's something that I've been a part of and I have a lot of experience with and I'm gaining more experience. I'm still young. Don't get me wrong. I will never know it all. And I will always learn every single time I go hunting. I was out shooting my bow this morning. I got it very close, a dead on to 40 yards sighted in. So, and then tomorrow or whenever else I can get out there, it'll be 50 and then hopefully 60. But um, yeah, it's uh, something that we want to do, but with my experience, my little bit of experience so far, and with uh, Bianca's, um, her hunting experience, and her knowledge as the animal science major, I think it'd be something that'd be a big hit for everybody, and that's that's what I want, that's what I want, I want everybody to enjoy it, but I also want people to, to provide a good source of information for everybody, same reason why we're doing this, so... When you say you're saying in from different distances, what's the average distance you would shoot an animal from yeah so normally um it's a good question normally everybody's comfortable shooting 10 yards 20 yards and even 30 yards 40 yards gets a little hard now obviously that distance so i think when we took you out and you shot that was 20 yards away so really wasn't too extravagant too hard um being able to call it a group so being able to shoot like five arrows wherever the if you could draw a circle around all those arrows that would be your group and getting your group from a big circle down to a smaller circle to make it tighter is the more accurate you are. So that's kind of how you judge everything. So I'll shoot right now just because, you know, because I have a really heavy pullback on my bow and I don't have a lot of arrows. I only shoot three arrows right now just to give myself a little bit of rest time. And my three, my grouping for three arrows at 20 yards would be anywhere from two to three inches, like big of a circle. It'd be a really tight group. Now, 30 yards, it gets anywhere from three to four inches round circle. When I was shooting at 40, or 30, that was 30 yards. When I was shooting at 40 yards, it was anywhere from four to five inches. So I'd like to tighten that 40 yards up within a four inch uh, group or tighter. And then 50, 60, it gets harder and harder because obviously it's getting farther away. And to hit it consistently in the same spot every single time, it's rough. It gets a little. It gets. It definitely gets hard. But so, how would you even get within twenty yards of an animal? So, it's funny because you don't get within twenty yards of an animal. They get within twenty yards of you. <laughs> so you have to. It's less of a you getting to them and more of a them getting to you. Now that's this. So we could talk hours on this. This is what makes it so much fun is because when you set up, whether it be a tree stand or a ground blind or even just out there on your own, it's less of a, okay, I know they're gonna be there, I need to get, I need to creep in as close as I can, and it's more of a, I know they're gonna walk through here, so I'm gonna get as close as I can to where they're gonna walk. But obviously, animals are unpredictable. <laughs> they're animals. <laughs> so they never go to the same spot. It seems like they never walk the same path or go to the same spot more than once. So being able to be in that area where they walk by and accurately do it on the right day at the right time and have the right smells and this and that all out there, all that combined together, obviously contributes to your success rate on if you can get a good kill or whatever it may be and even then like i'm sure i'll jump into eventually um is you might have a day where you have eight deer walk through that spot but the one that you need to kill hasn't walked through yet 
and that's the hard part to, to understand too and a lot of what we'll talk about in the hunting podcast once we get that started up so i please if people want to hear more about that and which deer is right to shoot and which is more ethical to shoot then listen up to that podcast because that'll be definitely something that if you don't have a good understanding about what we kill what we kill and why we kill what we kill that'll be why i go into what i go into made to in a big sense of so nice yeah, I have no clue. Yeah, for sure. You'll have to listen up, DJ. <laughs> I see meat. Yeah. See, like, healthy, non-farm-raised, abused meat. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's what I see. Yep, absolutely, and it's it's amazing. And that's another thing, too, is even if you do... Let me, let me give you a scenario. So, let's just say you went out and hunted, and you shot a year old doe it'd be tender okay so that's the first thing you think of now what do you think most people think of when you say oh i killed a doe you're probably a dick you killed a mama deer year old hasn't even had a chance to have her kids yet like that's how rough it is for the hunter hunting community and society now now this is and we could talk about this because this is just health and fitness related nutrition related you tell me so i'm gonna be the i'm gonna be the person who hates you because you killed a kill a year old mama deer why didn't you just go buy your meat from the store you you didn't have to kill any animals that deer could have lived a happy life why didn't you just go buy your meat from the store dj well there's a few different reasons for the outside and it's the wild has just as good a chance of getting hit by a car or killed by another animal as me taking it and not supporting the factory farming that the other meat came from. Exactly. So that's that's a huge point on it too. And like I said, in the hunting podcast, we'll talk about all this stuff. But a big reason is a lot of people would rather go buy their meat from the store and not worry about where it came from or not believe where it came from than they would just getting it naturally. Either way, an animal died. So either way, it's either a year-old cow or a year-old chicken or a year-old whatever, or it's a year-old deer that you killed. So That wasn't raised in a cage. Exactly, and fed crap. It was actually ate very healthy, a lot, a lot of lean, lean food sources, and a lot of very healthy nutrient yeah nutrient rich and nutrient dense foods that come like it's as easy i mean it's so simple because it eats grass hay corn that's literally has direct contact from sunlight i mean it's as it's as clean as you can get don't they eat berries and stuff too it depends not where we're at not most of the time now because we don't have that many uh acorns are a big thing a lot of acorns but other than that, like that's that's the big that's the biggest thing from it. A little bit of berries, but not like a crazy amount. But um, very very lean meat, extremely lean source of meat. Um, but yeah, that's the biggest thing is that I know where my food comes from, and I had the stomach to be the one to harvest it. Now that and that we'll talk more about this on the hunting podcast. Like I've said a million times, if you're vegan. Don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I wanted to say earlier, I understand why you do what you do. I get it. I really do. But you got to understand why I do what I do. And if you have just a second or some time to listen, 
and just relax and just realize I do what I do for my reasons and I understand why you do what you do for your reasons. We have a mutual mutual respect for each other and nobody's trying to force anything on anybody. It's that easy. You know how much you know how much less conflict in the world there would be if people just did that? Virtually none. Exactly. Seems like, seems like that would <laughs> Take care of all conflict if nobody else worried about Exactly. Definitely. And like I said, I'm not out there to be like, yeah, you should hunt and you're terrible because you don't know where your meat comes from and I do. But I am telling you, I'm not saying that, but I am saying I want to know where my meat comes from. And I don't like eating store-bought meat because I don't, because first off, that animal suffered very bad. And I, I have grown up on a farm, and I have, we do our stuff extremely well, and they live very happy lives. The places that don't, they're the places you go get meat at the store. It's not good. <laughs> Those are big operations. Big. Now, if anybody would like to, I encourage everybody to go visit a Tyson chicken plant. Or just, or now that it's illegal to have cameras plants oh is it well oh yeah i'm sure but yeah they literally passed laws that you can't take pictures of or videos of the operation uh, yeah yeah and you know whatever reasoning they had behind it i'll tell you it's because it's an extremely sad story those are real animals that get fat enough they can't walk and they get trampled on by other animals and then they take the dead ones on the bottom and they still feed them to you. That's how rough it is. It's terrible. And you talk about animal activism. We had, this is a funny story for you. We had a guy in the Whole Foods parking lot that wanted us to sign a, what, what are they called? The petition. <laughs> yeah, the petition to shut down Tyson Chicken Plant. And I was, I was like, absolutely. And he was like, oh, that's so cool. And he was a very flamboyant guy. Um, he uh, was very expressive about everything, and he said, you know, I'm vegan. I, I don't agree with any of this. And he said, he just looked at, and of course, I was in my farming wear, like my normal, like, jeans, boots, like, hat, and like, hunting hat, probably, and all this stuff. And he was like, you know, what, he just wanted to talk, and he was like, you know, it's terrible what they do. And I'm like, absolutely, I agree 100%. And he's like, what do you do? And I said, I, I I was a little hesitant because obviously for somebody who's a vegan and for me to say I'm a hunter, <laughs> yeah. it's a completely off- opposite spectrum. But the reality of it is, is yes, I would love to see Tyson chicken shut down for good. I would love to because what they do to those animals is terrible. It's absolutely terrible. It's sad. Like watching those videos like makes me like tear up. It's that bad. But he wanted the same thing is to shut him down because of the animal abuse that happens there. I want the same thing as him because of the animal abuse that happens there. He wants it. We want the same things for the same reasons. However, I'm a hunter and he's a vegan. Two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. So what I did when he asked, like, hey, you know what? You know, it's terrible. I'm like, yes, it is. And he's like, oh, are, are you? And I think he said something like, I'm a vegan. Are you, like, the same or the same way? And I was just like, no, I'm actually, I was like, I, I actually believe the same things you do. I just start off by saying I believe the same things you do, and I think it's terrible. But we're, I, I eat meat regularly, and I was like, I want to know where my meat comes from. And he says, oh, okay, that's totally fine. That's understandable. And he respected it. And then as we got to talking more and more, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually an avid hunter. And he like was kind of shocked. And he was like, well, if you, if you don't, if you like killing animals kind of a thing, then why do you care about this? 
and we got to talking and I said, you know, hey, I, you know, I care about animals so much and I want to know where my meat comes from. And know that they weren't exactly what yeah. they're trying to help. Exactly. And I, and I don't want animals to live that life. And I, that's not what I want at all. I believe that if something's going to be harvested for the meat, it needs to die a quick death, a healthy death, and be respected tremendously. And that's what I do when I hunt. So that's a, it was very it was a funny it was a funny scenario because I was like absolutely I will sign the petition because I do believe that that needs to end. Is it going to end? No, it will never end. <laughs> I can tell you right now. I could have told that guy. Doesn't matter how many signatures you get. Tyson Chicken will never shut down. <laughs> they are a gigantic corporation. They're one of the biggest in America, it seems if, like. If tobacco hasn't shut down yet. Oh, Dude, absolutely. Recently, I don't know what it is. I've noticed so many people smoking. I don't know if they're just all smoking in the cars I drive by or what. I don't I've know. seen more people smoking recently than I feel like I've done in a long time. Yeah, no, I don't know either. And that's another thing, too, that uh, on vacation, I wanted to chew a lot because it's one of those things where... Especially when I'm eating that many, like, foods that are high in carbs and high in, like, I wasn't eating sugary foods, but I was eating a lot of high high in carb uh, foods. So, um, a lot of breads and a lot of tortillas and all this and that, and it was amazing. But it seems like when I eat that kind of a diet afterwards, I want to chew. Because it's one of those things where if I start eating, I don't want to stop. And then the chew is something that I always used to do to kind of subdue that all and kind of like stop so it was really it was a struggle for me not to want to go buy a can of tobacco but i held off on it i really did because i knew it would make me feel like crap (laughs) but you used to smoke all the time you said so yeah a long time ago like middle school yeah absolutely so it's just it's one of those things where i feel like i don't know whether i don't know if it's getting better or worse i really i'd like to think and i'm almost sure it's getting better because i think more and more well i guess i don't know it's hard to it's hard to tell because tobacco i guess per se is probably going to get better but it seems like everybody nowadays are doing the e-cigarettes and the jewels and all those crap that just straight nicotine and i don't know (laughs) you find a way for kids to think it's cool and they'll do it well it's not even straight nicotine it's mixed with a bunch of fucking more chemicals that cause smoke like yeah it's not good for you real real pure (laughs) nicotine like uh almost like pellets are like almost like mints they actually show a lot of benefits for like cognitive function and stuff yeah. using it occasionally and if you get the pure form it doesn't have all of those shit but yeah. none of those e-cigarettes are pure none of the tobacco's pure like yeah. it's all yep absolutely even worse shit it's pretty bad my uh I found out right before we went on vacation my uncle who actually I grew up hunting with, and he was one of the ones who influenced like my outdoors, out, being outdoors and all that stuff. He uh, he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, and he was uh, he he smoked until I think he they said his first cigarette was at 11 years old, and he smoked cigarettes until he was about 50, and then he switched over to a tobacco pipe. So. Um, he's, he's about 70, I think he's about 74 years old. I'm surprised he's made it that long, honestly. Yeah. When I heard he had stage four lung cancer, it didn't, it wasn't a shocker. It was just something that I knew. I'd be like, yeah, did you think he didn't? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely. But I guess it was bad enough to where he finally went in and they said, yep, you're at stage four right now. And so there's, I mean, after that, there's nothing you can do. So it's just one of those things they tell you. They're like, yeah, we can offer you treatment to delay it. But 
you will die from this kind of a thing. So He spent, what did you say, he was 70? So he spent 55 plus years causing it? <laughs> yeah, he. I guarantee you he spent 60 years causing it, if not, if not more. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of time invested in killing yourself. Right? Yeah, absolutely. But, and you think about that, and sometimes, a lot of the times you think, and a lot of times I get paranoid with, like, this and that, like, when I'm going to die and this and that. You know, I'm taking years off my life just by doing this little thing. I mean, sometimes you're just going to die when you're going to die. <laughs> There's no other better way to put it. No matter what you do to your body, I'm not telling you it's okay to do these things. Don't get me wrong. It's not. You can live a healthier lifestyle, and you should for your body. I mean, you really just should. But... A lot of the times you're just going to die when you're going to die. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason. If you wouldn't, I mean, sometimes you think, well, maybe if he wouldn't have smoked a whole cigarette his whole life, he probably would have died around this age anyway, just being himself, being, you know, living the life he did. So there's just no rhyme or reason why. I'm, I'm guarantee you, yes, smoking does take years off your life. I'm not saying it doesn't, but sometimes, like I said, you're just, you're going to die when you're going to die. <laughs> yep. Uh, I heard a funny analogy though about age. Yeah. You're like people are counting in the wrong direction. Whether you're uh, twenty or sixty, if you're both gonna die in a week, like like who's older? Like you both have the same time left. So like younger is like, oh, you have so much life left. Well, if you both are gonna die early, say you both get hit by a next week nobody had more life left yeah absolutely so it's like crazy things happen all the time yeah i love uh that's totally true i love social media just for the reason that social media is social media but you can always find something positive somewhere and especially kind of the stuff we follow there's a lot of positivity it seems like and one of the things i was watching i was watching uh one of the girls I follow, Sarah Bomar, she's a, she's an avid bow hunter and a huge in the hunting community. And her and her husband, Josh, um, they both compete in bodybuilding competitions as well. And she uh, posted on her story. Um, somebody asked her, it was the ask me the question one. And somebody asked her what's some of the best advice that you've been, you've been given throughout your uh, you know, career, hunting career, whatever. And she said one of the best, one of the best pieces of advice she ever gotten was, worrying never changes the outcome of the final event so no matter what's going to happen worrying about it's not going to change a thing so if it's something's going to happen it's going to happen you know when you can take that in every aspect of your life shit that might apply super well to my current situation exactly right now. you can apply that to everything whether it be your work whether it be uh you know your training whether that be bills whether it be anything like it's gonna happen like it no matter what, you are going to get paid eventually on your jobs. Yeah. It might not be when you want it to be, but eventually it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. Worrying about it, not going to make... Dude, I've been working for... The one job I'm still waiting to get kept out on was nearly five months ago it signed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, what? No, I totally get that. But just like she says... Or like the people, outcome, what's going to happen, what's going to end up happening with that job is not going to change because TJ worried about it. It's not at all. So that's the biggest, like, hearing that, like, it's something that you think, and it's basic. It's super basic. Well, that or, like, 
back in the day when I used to worry about my electric getting shut off, me worrying about it getting shut off wasn't stopping it from yeah, getting shut exactly. off. Exactly, and think how much energy you waste just by worrying about it and how much oh, stress. And like, a ton. Holy yeah. Shit, a ton. Yeah, exactly. So that's the, that's the thing. Like, literally, and that's another thing, too, especially with my job. Like, Do you know what's a good book about that? What's that? Oh, uh, Who Moved My Cheese? My brother just reviewed it on his podcast, The Book Saved My Life, mm-hmm. and then Instagram, Book Saved My Ass, because apparently it didn't fit, or somebody had the hat. Oh, yeah? So he had to switch it up. But yeah, he gives away a book every Monday, so I think uh, two weeks from now he'll be giving away the Who Moved My Cheese, and it's about uh, moving with the situations and variables and things are going to happen, like worrying yeah. about it or being set in your way is, isn't going to help anything. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be a good one to read, but that's like... It's a short read, too. Yeah. Like, literally, you can... I'm a slow reader. I sat down and read it at Barnes Noble one day. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And that's like... Uh, it's definitely, like I said, it's basic when you think about it. It really is. But seeing that and seeing, like I said, this is why I love social media. One of the few reasons why I love social media. It's, it, there's always a way to find positivity. And for Sarah, and thank you, Sarah Bomar. If you'd ever listen to this, I'd be, I'd be very excited. <laughs> um, but for her, for somebody who I really look up to in both the fitness and uh, health community and somebody who constantly shows positivity, um, it's it's something that really helped me out. And like I said, as basic as it was, just scrolling through, like you, sh- I scroll through their stuff every day because they're, they're cool people. And like I said, they're huge role models of mine um, just for the people that they are and just what they do. But scrolling through that and just seeing that right there and just being like, just something quick that I could read real fast and it really hit me I'm just like man as basic as that is there's nothing more true than that worrying about something will not change the outcome of what's going to happen so it's just like I said it's basic but it helps a ton and it helped me just like calm down and I tell that to people all the time now like I told it I was actually on the phone with my dad this morning and I was like you know worrying about it doesn't change the outcome and you know, so the last thing we need to do is stress about what's going to happen because it's not going to change anything. <laughs> so, and it's true. It's exactly right. But that's kind of, that's how it goes. And that was, like I said, for for the information that I got out of the week, that was probably the most beneficial little bit I got. So, Speaking of health, though. Yeah? Did you see my five basket of, baskets of bread at Texas Roadhouse? I did see that. I was going to ah! ask you about that. What <laughs> happened? <was> so good. <laughs> Uh, somebody brought me out for my birthday, so I ate at Texas Roadhouse. Got a big ribeye and some sweet potatoes. And yeah, absolutely. And before that, I tried our taco post-workout. Yeah. I had Halo Top that night, and uh, I ate some stuff while we were out to watch the fights. Yeah. So TJ and Cody, like, it was a pretty decent UFC fight. There was actually two decent fights on the card. But... Yeah, it was fun. So we were just out there, and I ate some uh, spicy sweet potato fries while I was there. Some wings and this nasty ass Reuben. That yeah, gosh, <laughs> so bad. Yeah, no, I actually saw that. That was when we finally got Wi-Fi because <laughs> there's no service out there in New Mexico. Uh, we scrolled through it, and I looked at Bianca, and I was like, "Something's wrong with TJ." <laughs> and she's like, "What?" And I showed you your story of all the food, and I was like, "He's eating a lot of bread." <laughs> I was like, that's not like TJ. <laughs> I'm going to deep end. Yeah. No, it wasn't too bad. I mean, you got to celebrate like that. I mean, for my birthday, I went out and 
uh, I drank a couple of beers, so that's like that's what I did for my birthday, and I was with my dad and stuff, so it was enjoyable. So other than that, that was really about it. Basically, I just I wish I would have skipped on the bread because I could tell. You can feel it, can't you? Big yeah. time. Like, I'd have been fine with steak, sweet potatoes. The, even the tacos are tacos. Yeah. Not too bad. But. Yeah. Just, I mean, it didn't kill you, but it's nice to enjoy on your birthday. Yeah. The only part that sucks is I like restaurants that offer endless something to start with. Yeah. So even if it's just chips <laughs> and salsa, like, I enjoy that. Yeah. Immensely. So, like... Red Lobster, Olive Garden, like why I like the, why those places are probably so popular still, is you get free something you can snack on as you're waiting for your food and yep. starving to death. Absolutely, it's it's definitely the million dollar idea right there. <laughs> yeah, just and it's dirt cheap for them. Oh yeah, Dude, it doesn't cost hardly anything. Bread's not that hard to make. <laughs> no, or chips and salsa. Yeah. So you can buy a vat of salsa for twenty bucks. Yep. <laughs> like. It's not too bad. Yeah, that's not too bad. But yeah, no, that's good that you enjoyed that. But well, we better get hopping off here. Um, yeah, you gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah, we gotta get to work here soon. But yeah, for the most part, it's been a pretty good day. It's a good vacation. This is definitely a good little podcast to give it to everybody. We talked about some. I feel like some pretty beneficial stuff, whether it be in the hunting or whether it be in the mindset aspect of stuff, or just. Uh, you know, basic stuff in general. So a lot of beneficial stuff in this podcast if you make it through. (laughs) So Good luck. Yeah, exactly. But for the most part, like I said, not too shabby of a podcast. But we'll be back at it again. We'll have a little bit more of a topic to nail down. This is kind of more of a recap topic on uh, since we've been gone for the last week. But, yeah, we'll get this one out and go in here soon. And then uh, be back for you guys to have another pretty good topic to listen to. So... Sounds good. Yeah, we'll talk. Absolutely, we'll talk to you guys soon.